Welcome, friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you, and Bill Jack from Worldview Academy with us. We have been doing this for 9 to 20 years, Bill. This is the 20th year. We've been wow. working this daily broadcast, the weekday broadcast, but uh, started with a radio station in Colorado Springs. Yep. And I was on that once. And uh, so we did that for a number of years, and then we shifted to Denver. We had some Denver stations that picked us up, and... Then we went online, and we've been doing this webcast for quite some time, my friends, uh, 20 years. And I think I told you at one point, Bill, I forgot how to quit, so we just keep doing it. <laughs> you keep submitting your, your resignation letter to yourself. Yeah, and, and it doesn't receive it. And you lose it. it. And then, then you yeah. lose it, and then yeah. you're back at it the next Tuesday, right? Well, friends, um, we are attempting to bring a program in which we apply the Word of God to every area of life. We want to equip the man of God for every good work. That's Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We are very interested in bringing a basic gospel message because without the gospel, there's no life transformation and no application of God's Word to life. So that's been the vision of this program for quite some time. We used to say we're bringing... Truth and relationships to a lost and lonely world. And the way you say this is we speak the truth in love. So relationship is important. Uh, discipleship is important. We convey truth in the context of relationship and call it discipleship. And that, that's uh, something that we've been promoting for 20 years of this ministry. Well, I'm going to take a look at a World Magazine article in which we need to encourage the rest of the church of Jesus Christ across this country to disciple to disciple which is what to teach everything jesus has commanded and to teach them to observe everything jesus has commanded and that's the kind of thing that the churches are not doing you've run into this yourself right bill oh yeah i just ran into it this past week okay yeah uh talking to uh, a pro-life activist who's now becoming, um, he's getting more and more pro-life and he wants to become an activist, wants to speak for the unborn. He said he was in a restaurant and he was bringing in a, a nationally known pro-life speaker and sponsoring an event so that the community could come together and hear the truth about the heinous abortions that are being committed. And a pastor walked into the restaurant that he knew and he said, hey, pastor, he said, hey, we're doing this event and would you promote it? at your church. And he said, the pastor never said no, but he avoided it, the topic like a plague and never committed. One of the most interesting stories I ever covered as a reporter on the worldview.com, which is our daily worldview update, um, was a story of a doctor in the state of California who was an abortionist. He'd been committing abortions for quite some time. But one Sunday morning, he walks into church. This has never happened before. You, you got to hear the interview yeah. on CBN.com. It's amazing. He walks into the church on a Sunday morning, and he says, that pastor was talking about partial birth abortion. And, and here's the thing he said. It was the first time he ever mentioned abortion in the church. Yes. And he had abortionists sitting on the pews. Yep. And he said, I walked down to the parking lot and realized that I was doing the very thing the pastor described, and that's when I quit. Mm -hmm. Now, what does that tell you? The power of the truth penetrates through the deception of the enemy. And shame on, shame on 
Shame on the pastors who won't talk about it for years and years and years while hundreds of millions of babies are being killed. Yep. Either through the use of abortifacients or abortion. And, and that's wow. what struck me about wow. this whole article that we're, you're going to feature. And that is that the, the, in this one church, there, is, there are two elected officials, and one of them is pro-abortion, and the other is pro-life. And yet when, the, when World Magazine reached out to the pastor of the church, the preaching pastor, for comment on this, how can this be? The pastor declined yeah. the comment. Shame on, shame on, shame on. The reason America is where it is today is the church. The reason America is where it is today is the Christian Reformed Church and Calvin College and their pusillanimous approach to handling the issue of abortion and disciplining members who are out there promoting it. Now, I blame the Christian Reformed Church for the fall of America. And the fall of Western civilization, not just them, right? but, but churches in America. I blame Calvin College. I, I put the first fall at the feet of the seminaries, the Christian college and the Christian denominations. They have lost their way. They are lukewarm. Now, when you think of Michigan, you think of the pro-abortion stronghold. They just approved the referendum. They are pro-abort to the core. But you also think of the Christian Reformed Church. You rooted, think of, you think of rooted in yeah, Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids, Michigan. That's what you think of. Now, I know Grand Rapids is supposed to be the stronghold for Christianity. No, it's the stronghold for the devil because the Christian Reformed Church is fundamentally cr- compromised on these basic ethical issues. I'm talking about David Legrand and Hillary Shelton. These are the two legislators that attend Christian Reformed churches in the state of Michigan, and they're pro abortion. David Legrand is a state representative, a member of the Christian Reformed Church, and he's a pro-abort. And Hillary Shulton won Michigan's 3rd District. You see that? Yes. I saw that just this morning. She's a member of the Christian Reformed Church, and she's a Democrat. She's pro-abortion. She is an enemy of righteousness, and she attends. She's a, a member in good standing at a Christian Reformed Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Churches in this Christian Reformed Church... And even individual members within these churches aren't uniform on the abortion issue. That's the way this is being explained. Shulton is still a member of LaGrave Avenue Christian Reformed Church in Grand Rapids, the church she attended during her 2020 campaign on a pro-abortion platform. And that church brought her on as a deacon the very next year. In other words, they promoted her as an officer in the church. Now, we can have a discussion about women serving as officers within the church, but This woman is out there promoting the killing of innocent life. She pledges, quote unquote, to enshrine Roe v. Wade as the law of the land. In other words, she's going to go for the federal legislation on Roe v. Wade and promises to be, quote, a steadfast supporter of a woman's God-given ability to make her own health care decisions. What? She's a Jezebel in the church. She encourages the nation to sin. She's encouraging other Christians to sin by her positions and her policies. And that's just sheer evil. And in the same congregation is Senator Mark, I think it's Huzinga, who's a fellow member. He is a pro-life Republican who has the endorsement of the Right to Life of Michigan Political Action Committee. And so you have within the same church, in the same pew, you have these horribly diverse 
opinions on the issue of life, and yet the pastor is not addressing it. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. The pastor refuses to address the issue when the Reformed Church has a very strong pro-life position. These are bad shepherds, just very bad shepherds. And by the way, this is exactly what Jesus is speaking to in Revelation chapter 2. She addresses women like this, like this Shulton person uh, in, in, in the church. This, this is the kind of thing that Jesus is saying. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou suffers that woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication, to eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication. She repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying to the Christian Reformed Church, you take care of this problem, or, or I'll take care of it for you. You want me to take care of it for you? You, you can take care of this problem. Mm. Mm-mm. Or I'll take care of this problem for you. I, I will kill her children. I will kill them. That's the way Jesus looks at this. And there's David Legrand attends Eastern Avenue Christian Reformed Church in Grand Rapids as well. He's a commissioned pastor. Well, here's what Proverbs seventeen fifteen talks about. These legislators, these, these legislators, they justify the wicked. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the just both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. Folks, these are members of the Christian Reformed Church. And they are justifying the wicked. And they are an abomination to the Lord. Pastor Lloyd Hemstreet, the pastor at Coopersville Christian Reformed Church in Shulton's district, described the CRCNA as a broad denomination that is not all of one mind. No kidding. Yeah. Unlike at LaGrave, he says, running for a political office on a pro-abortion platform would be cause for church discipline at his church. Well, what's wrong with America? The Christian Reformed Church is what's wrong with America. Judgment begins in the household of God, and judgment must begin at the Christian Reformed Church. And I'm not saying this is the only church denomination needing repentance and a fundamental shift in direction, but I want to talk about that more in just a moment. Boy, <laughs> I have so little interest in politics when this is the kind of thing happening in the churches. If we don't take care of this kind of stuff in the churches, forget the polls. Yeah, judgment begins Just forget in the, the house polls. of the Lord. Forget America. If we're not going to talk about the Christian Reformed Church and bring these people to accountability on these issues, forget the polls. It's worthless to talk about politics if the church is this messed up. Be back with more in just a moment on the Generations Broadcast. What happens when a culture that was established and guided by biblical principles abandons the faith and seeks to live by its own wisdom? In his latest groundbreaking work, Epic, The Rise and Fall of the West, Kevin Swanson unfolds the dramatic history of Western civilization, highlighting the phenomenal impact that Jesus Christ and his people have had upon the thought, culture, and institutions of the Christian West as well as tracing the slow but devastating decline of Western civilization and the key factors that have led to our spectacular fall over the centuries. A sobering narrative of gospel hope, 
This book urges its reader to greater fervency in the work of discipleship and the development of an international vision for the church. This is truly a must-read for any Christian seeking to understand the times and seasons in which we live. You can claim your hardcover copy of Epic, The Rise and Fall of the West, by visiting generations.org slash store today. That's generations.org slash store. And we're back on the Generations broadcast. This is Kevin Swanson. Churches in America need to repent. These aren't just the old line churches either. These are the squishy evangelical churches. Yeah, and and the pastor that I talked about uh, is the head of a a very well-known church in Castle Rock, and it's an evangelical church. And it's just he just squirmed out of the conversation when asked to promote a pro-life event in the community. Shame on him if 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 the pastors can't stand up for the most fundamental issues of righteousness in society today and address the sins of a society and call people to faith in Christ and repentance. I don't know. What are they worth? You're heading off to, you know, some cannibalistic Island and you're not going to address the issue of cannibalism. Say guys, okay, we got to repent of this and we need to, to trust in Jesus for our salvation from these sins. Man, if you're, you're not willing to do that on the mission field, if you're not willing to do that in Castle Rock, Colorado, get out of the ministry. Just get out of the ministry and get out of the ministry now. I'm not saying again that the CRC is the only denomination needing repentance, but there needs to be a fundamental shift in direction, my friends. There's something fundamentally wrong with a denomination that tolerates abortion and their members encouraging abortion by way of their policies in government. It's akin to a Christian denomination that tolerates Muslim preachers in the churches. Now imagine the Christian Reformed Church, yeah, we're okay with preaching the doctrines of Islam, or we're okay with sacrifices to the devil in the sanctuaries. You know, you start, it's the same thing, Bill. All all in the name of unity. Sacrificing children on the altar of convenience. Right. And sacrificing children to the devil in the front of the sanctuary of a Christian Reformed Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. There's no difference. No. There's no difference. It's a denomination in the last stages of apostasy. And again, I'm not nearly as concerned about politics as I am about the Christian Reformed Church and others like it. Now, the Reformed Church is supposed to be aligned to Scripture. It started with the phrase sola scriptura. Remember that? Sola Mm -hmm. scriptura, which means only Scripture. And Scripture is the basis of authority for all matters relating to faith and life. Okay? There's been a general rejection of the law of God among many Reformed and evangelical churches. That's it. They just don't like God's law. I don't know. Do they sing, Oh, how hate I thy law? It's not my meditation all the day. Is that that the sort of hymn you sing in these churches? They don't see it as a standard of righteousness, which they appreciate. They don't really love the law of God and delight after it in the inward man. The law of God is seen as a burden to so many today. They just don't teach it. They're not going to equip the man of God for every good work and bring the commandments of Jesus to bear to be sure that their members observe all of these commandments contained in scriptures. You know, I, I, I did some research. Uh, the Heidelberg Catechism, the principal author of the Heidelberg Catechism, which is supposed to be 
the orders of unity by which the Christian Reformed Church governs itself. Okay, well, Zacharias Ursinus is the principal author and commentator on the Heidelberg Catechism. He authored it. He comments on it. So thankfully, we've got a pretty solid view of how the original author of the Heidelberg Catechism considered the law of God. Now listen to this. This is a quote from Zacharias Ursinus. He comments on the uses of the law. The preaching of the law goes before, preparing and leading us to the knowledge of the gospel, for by the law is the knowledge of sin, Romans 3.20. Hence, there can be no sorrow for sin without the law. Amen. After the sinner has once been led to a knowledge of sin, then the preaching of the gospel follows, encouraging contrite hearts by the assurance of the mercy of God through Christ. Without the preaching, there is no faith, and without faith, there is no love to God, and hence no conversion to him. After the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of the law again follows. In other words, the preaching of the law comes before the gospel, it comes after the gospel. This is one of the best ways to put it. That it may be the rule for our thankfulness and of our life. It becomes a rule of obedience for these members of the churches that have received the gospel. Now they love God and they want to keep his commandments. That's all he's saying. The law therefore precedes and follows conversion. That's beautifully put. It precedes that it may lead to a knowledge and sorrow for sin. It follows that it may serve as a rule of life to the converted. It is for this reason that the prophets first charge sin upon the ungodly, threaten punishment, exhort to repentance, then comfort and promise pardon and forgiveness, and lastly again exhort and prescribe the duties of piety and godliness. I could not put that better than he did. Yeah, That's a beautiful way to put the use of the law of God and convincing men of their sins and bringing them to true faith and repentance at the cross of Jesus Christ. And then at that point, we love him and keep his commandments. Why? Because he's forgiven our sins and we stand for his commandments. We obey his commandments. We make proper application of his commandments in all of the spheres of our lives, whether it be our work life or our political life. Uh, people say, well, you know what? I really don't want to bring the eighth commandment to bear in the exchange of goods and services in the market. You know, that, that would be imposing my values upon everybody else around <laughs> me. What's your answer to that, Bill? Well, I don't <laughs> so you're I'll, just going to cheat and yeah. steal with like all the rest of them and not encourage them to I don't think follow I'll patronize the rules? his business. Okay, right, exactly. <laughs> well, friends, uh, somehow Ichabod has written over so many of these old line churches. They've lost the authority of the law of God, the power of the gospel, and the Holy Spirit. They are old, decrepit churches without much life left in them. I think that's just very sad because it's not just the abandonment of the law of God. It's also the abandonment of the gospel. Because the gospel has come in to save us from our sins, from our violations of the law of God. So you ignore, you water down, you dilute the law of God. You're watering down and diluting the gospel because the gospel itself came in that Jesus would save us from breaking the law of God. That is the transgression of the law of God. And there is so little boldness, courage, and faith left amongst so many pastors. There's a loss of manliness. There's, there's an unwillingness to take on the antithesis. They just fold like cheap suits when they're faced with the antithesis. What do you think, Bill? I'm trying to analyze what the problem is with the churches today. Is that it? Yeah. Why does, why does this pastor walk away from this opportunity to bring God's law, God's word, and the gospel to bear on a very important uh, cultural sin of the day? Why would he walk out and say, oh, I can't support you with this? Right. And I, I think they're condemned by their own words. And the argument typically is, well, we don't want to politicize the pulpit. 
Okay. We don't want to bring morality into yeah. the pulpit. We don't want to bring God's law in because we don't want anybody to repent of their sins and turn to Jesus to be saved from their sins of killing children or any other sin that seems to be popular in the given place and time in which we live. Right. And and who's politicizing? You, you don't want to mention yeah. these issues. I'm not because politicizing you're, anything. I'm, I'm just no. saying this is the right thing. This is the this wrong is thing. God's word. Come to repentance and faith in Christ. Yes. That's all we're saying. We're not politicizing everything. To, to think that abortion is... First and foremost, a political issue is bogus. Abortion right. is a moral issue. Right. Abortion is slaughtering innocent people. That's moral. That's not political. That's moral. So it needs to be addressed in that form, first and foremost, by the pastors. Okay. Now, some will say, I've heard this before, and I want to throw this out at you. I've never done this before. Some will say that they err towards love. Some people are more committed to truth, others towards love. And if you could err towards truth on the other side, then you have less love. But if you err towards love, then you have less truth, as if love and truth are on the same continuum. Yeah, and That's Francis, Schaeffer, Francis Schaeffer addressed this, and he said, you know, we, we, we reflect the character of God. God's character is that he is perfectly loving and perfectly just. And we tend to fall on one side or the other, but either side, emphasizing either side is, is equally egregious, is a, a distortion of <laughs> uh -huh. God's character That's right. because he is both perfectly loving and perfectly just. What's the most loving thing you can do for a person? Tell them the truth. Yeah. Tell them the truth. And tell them the truth in love. Yeah. It's 200 proof truth and 200 proof love simultaneously. That needs to characterize the ministries of every church and every pastor. And I'm hoping that's the case with me. I'm, I'm growing in my understanding of the truth. I'm growing in my understanding of love. Actually, my wife and I are studying love. We're, we're, we've used Alexander Strauch's book hmm. on uh, leading with love. And we're going through 1 Corinthians 13 every night. We've been doing this for about two weeks now. And uh, it's beautiful. By the way, recommend Alexander Strauch's book, Leading with Love. Beautifully put together on how to apply 1 Corinthians 13 to, to leadership and really to family relationships as well. So I uh, recommend that to you. I didn't mean to do that, but that's what we're doing today. Okay, that wraps up this edition of the Generations Broadcast, friends. This is Kevin Swanson and Bill Jack inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation. <laughs>